Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Sports Phone here on KZYX. Uh, Jerry is here in in Portland. Jim's in the Philo studio. Jim, happy Friday to you and a happy birthday. I know you may have not wanted to talk about it, but we're at least going to acknowledge it. It is February 26th, and it is your birthday. It's my birthday. I am 67 years old, born in February 26, 1954. So, uh, yeah, my birthday happy to be here you know it's, it's funny i don't remember a lot of the context around this but i feel like it was in 2004 i remember going to a babies of 54 party somewhere in manerson valley i don't remember any other context for it other than the part the name of the party I, and i, I think it was in anderson valley i don't somewhere. think you went though did i I wasn't there. I just remember. No, I, I sponsored it. I Something we, I'll went. tell you real quick. We, we started it when we were 30 years old. A bunch of college friends and I, we rented a hall in Burlington, Vermont, and we put in a newspaper that if you were born in 1954, we're renting this hall. Bring your favorite music. Bring your favorite newspaper articles. And we had just about 100 people that had never knew each other got together because we were babies of 1954. So then when I got to Anderson Valley, I think I did it when we were all 50. So so that would have been... Um, 2004. Yeah, 2004. Yeah. And um, people brought their yearbooks from high school, and we met at Lawrence, and there was about 10 of us. And we, okay. we, we, did, we were going to advertise in Ukiah and just bring... Because the idea is, you know, not just people that you know. But anyway... Um, Maybe we'll do it again when we're when we're seventy. I got to find someone to co-sponsor it with. Yeah, for sure. No, I do. That stood out in my mind for some reason. But uh, I thought that'd be fun. Well, happy birthday! Uh, it's good to have you here. Glad you're not taking the day off or anything like that. Good, <laughs> to, good to have you here. Welcome everybody to the Sports Phone. Uh, if you're new to the show, um, this is an open forum sports talk show. Really simple concept. Uh, Jim and I are here. We just like talking about sports. We like talking about what's going on in the world of sports. We also just like to bring up random sports topics and just come with a, with whatever kind of uh, we're, we're thinking of at the time. We just like to talk sports. And we also like you, the listeners, to drive the show. So we want you to pick the topics, give us a call, whatever's on your mind that you want to talk about. We want to hear about it, and we're looking forward to taking your calls, whatever it is, wherever it is in the world of sports. We just want uh, to hear about it and have you, the callers, drive the show and give us a ring. Number to do that is 707-895-2448. Give us a call if you want to talk about sports. I believe we're going to go ahead and just get op- get the lines opened up this week. So give us a call, 707-895-2448, if you want to talk about sports. While we're waiting for the first call of the day, I think we just dive right in here. It is Friday, February 26th. Let's take a look back at the history of this day. Uh, Jim, who's going first here for On This Day in Sports? Would it be uh, me with the how you kind of wanted to format this this week? Yeah, I'm going to let you go first. But I, You know, it, it hits me every once in a while, and it hit me today. I don't know why when, when, when you said it, but um, I, I, I guess when you said the phone lines are now open, which they are, yep. 707-895-2448, interrupt us now if you want, we're ready. Um, but I, I still I still have that nostalgia, or I don't know what it's called, only six months, when I, I look for that number three to be blinking, I know I know it's McCarthy calling, and and I'm still not over it yet. I still think, I still think, you know, those days when McCarthy would call and tell us it was his 70th show in a row. I still miss it. Yeah, yeah, 
absolutely. No, I have. I still miss it for sure. You know, it was it was an expected thing that was going to happen. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was a good run for sure. But uh, but now anyone else has the chance to be the first caller. So give us a call 707-895-2448. Give us a ring if you want to talk about sports. Uh, on this day in sports, though, February 26th of on a Friday. Well, more February 26th, not always on a Friday. Uh, I'm going to go back to 1967. Uh, for, for the ninth Daytona 500, so probably one of the bigger NASCAR races out there, uh, Mario Andretti won his first and only NASCAR Grand National event and at the, and at the time was the only driver born outside of the U.S. to win the Daytona 500. Uh, I don't watch a lot of NASCAR, but I know the Daytona 500 is a big one in terms of like just the sports world. Uh, so I thought that was of note, and I, I thought I would uh, mention it. I assume Andretti was Italian? I believe so, yes. Yes. So I, I never even thought about that. Is, is that one of the major sports in the United States or in the world dominated by the United States, I would think? Now, there are still? other forms of racing that I think are more popular in other parts of the world in, in comparison to like NASCAR specifically. I think NASCAR is very American. I think there are other forms of car racing that are more popular in other parts of the world. I believe. I don't have any evidence or like data just, to back that up. Uh, now that we're this far, because I, I am going to bring up a NASCAR for this day as well, but before we get there, what makes... Na what makes... what uh, In the world of car racing, what makes NASCAR NASCAR? What's NASCAR stand for and what does it make... What is NASCAR different than Formula One or whatever? Is it oh, like, boy. Uh, the kind of cars? So, yes, I believe it does have to do with the type of car. Uh, NASCAR stands for the National Association of Stock Car Auto Racing. And then I believe... So those are stock cars. Yeah, stock cars, right. And so I believe that you have... That is what defines NASCAR as NASCAR, where a stock car is different than like the cars that are in the Indianapolis 500. But we're getting into a technical conversation by there that I, I don't know by a ton of the answers to. Here, I think the word stock car means... They're just cars like coming off, coming off the the line somehow. I don't know. Not not specially made, but cars that were made on the assembly line. I don't know if that's true or not. Somebody from NASCAR, save us here. Um, okay, my February twenty sixth, twenty seventeen. Again, the Daytona five hundred. You know, it's the mm -hmm. same weekend every year, so that makes sense. Kurt Busch wins the Daytona 500 because Kyle Larson runs out of gas on the last lap. Now, Kyle Larson was ahead. He runs out of gas. They spend millions of dollars on these cars. The part that gets me is we can we fly to Mars, we fly to the moon. We we all this technology, we got the internet, we and a guy racing for millions of dollars runs out of gas in the last lap. What is up with that? What's it's, it's, it's just interesting. The, the only thing I can assume with what happened there is that, like, he thought he had enough gas to finish the lap, <laughs> and it just turns out that he didn't. Here's a fun little nugget of that. Jim, do you want to take a guess where Kyle Larson finished in the race after running out of gas? How did he finish? He finished 12th. Did he push his car? I mean, what's this, what's the best? I, I don't know. I, I, that's kind of what I mean. Is it's like I I don't know what what running out of gas entails for a NASCAR like car. I, I don't know if that means like you come to a puttering stop if he coasted across the finish line. 
if he didn't have enough gas to give himself like he had enough gas to, to cruise across but not accelerate across. I don't know what running out of gas means, but whatever it was, <laughs> he still got across the finish line in 12th out of 40 cars. Huh. 707-895-2448. If you want to talk about sports, tell us something that we don't know about NASCAR. I have a second part of, of February 26th, 2017. The same race, Jeffrey Earnhardt was in that race. He was the fourth generation of Earnhardt's. Did I say it right? Earnhardt's. Yep, Earnhardt's. Caller, let me finish this statement. Maybe you can answer my question. What are the four generations of Earnhardt's that have been in the NASCAR? That has stumped the listener today. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Yeah, um, I can give you a little bit of information about NASCAR. Oh, good. Um, although I'm not a big NASCAR, uh, NASCAR, uh, racing fan, cause you're just going around the same track round and around and around. <laughs> uh, the most interesting thing about NASCAR actually is how it started. It was, and this is why it has a very Southern and white and kind of redneckish kind of history. It's because the original hot rodders. And people who get into that kind of stuff, rat rotters and, and, and kind of things, were actually moonshiners. Oh, and yes. so what they did is back in the day when Ford was making the first V8, um, they would uh, go on these, you know, country roads in the south from their, you know, stills. And um, they would try to outrun the cops. And they did. And that's why they would do things like take off the fenders for weight reduction. And they'd do a variety of of things to make the cars lighter, faster, and to and they knew the back roads more. So it was really an outlaw tradition huh. of sneaking around the, the, the cops. And when it became more formalized, and the first you know the, the races were kind of informal, amateurish type things, and then it you know it developed as, as it did. But the idea was. You know, not everyone can, you know, Formula One and take, you know, like Ferraris, you know, you know, production cars. I think it, originally they had to make um, certain cars. They had to make like 500 of them or something like this. So a Corvette or a Chrysler or whatever it was, the big engines. But, I mean, of course, it's now much, much more, much more high tech. And but they wanted to, they wanted to basically say, you know, look, you're a mechanic. You've got a Chrysler or a V8 Ford, a Hot Rod Ford, a Hot Rod Lincoln. And, you know, they had certain displacement things. It had to be, you know, you know, a V8, and you could do different things. And, of course, as soon as one mechanic or one team develops something, they either have to make a decision, are you going to allow everyone to do this? Is that too big? Is it too unfair, so to speak, to keep it kind of, uh, you know, relatively, you know, fair? But you don't have to design some engine by Porsche or Maserati or Jaguar that's a just a strict race car. Um, and, of course, now they have certain things about the frame and the body. And so they, they look more or less from the outside, other than all the stickers and all the you yeah. know, goofy stuff they put on it. They so, more or less have a frame. But, I mean, none of those cars are street legal. I mean, they've got, you know, 800 horsepower. And, so there's all kind all of – there's there's got to be all kinds of – I mean – there must be really strict regulations that must be added to some of them get taken away. That's that's my guess. Sure. Can, can you can you answer our stump the host question? What are the four generations of Earnhardts? What are their first names that have been in that, that have been in NASCAR racing? 
No, no, I, I can't. But I can tell you that if it's four generations, that probably goes back to the 30s. Um, and so the 30s and the, and the 40s and stuff, and that's where that original that, that originally came about is these guys are from Kentucky and from the South, and they're, you know, the good old boys who are outracing the revenuers and, <laughs> and what, who, who are buying, you know, traditionally, for example, the FBI had a long relationship with uh, Henry Ford because he was ultra-conservative and very pro-law enforcement and, and stuff. And so the irony was, People who could afford a hot rod for a V8 back in the 30s when they were just coming up with yeah. V8s, flathead, you know, straight eights and stuff. Well, straight eights and then, you know, uh, V8s. Ironically, they were buying those cars too, and they would figure out how to, you know, make them, you know, faster and demeanor and leaner and this kind of stuff. So it really is the one of the, and that's one of the the kind of ethos of, of NASCAR uh, being very kind of broke, you know, very patriotic, pro-American, but of course, uh, interestingly, and a kind of a different analogy that doesn't really relate to sports, but it also kind of coincides with country music's very southern uh, traditions and whatnot. But interestingly, you know, the original country musicians, someone like, for for example, Hank Williams Sr., okay, well, everyone now goes, oh my God, Willie Nelson and all these guys, you're thinking, well... That that's just you know old school you know country. Remember, Hank Williams uh, was not invited to the Grand Old Opry in in the early fifties because he was a drunkard and a womanizer, and he uh, he made it past the twenty seven club. By the way, he died at twenty nine in the back of a Cadillac after a gig, and they left him in the car because he was too drunk on Chris on New Year's Day. <laughs> let me um, up, but, let me cut you off here. We got another caller. Yeah, no worries. Thanks Excellent. for thanks Bye-bye. for all the information. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Hello, caller. Try again. No one there. Yeah, it looks like we lost them. Give us a call back. 707-895-2448. Give us a ring if you want to talk about sports. We got through. I, I always like it. Like I, said, I, got a call <laughs> here. I always like it when we get through on the stay in sports. Go ahead, Jim. You're on the air. Okay. You probably already do know this about... Um Racing that the pit stops are a very highly calculated uh, part of the race, and uh, you know it's like a manager shifting the infield, guessing that the hitter is going to hit in a certain direction. Those guys guess with very you know very educated guess how much gas they've actually got, hmm. and they try and avoid any time spent in the pit that they can. They do it with the tires. They do it with the gas. Mm-hmm. Etc. So that's, guess, yeah, that's how he ran out of gas. They made a guess and they lost. I guess the other part of that, you know. So yeah. anyway, bye. Well, I guess the other part of that to kind of think about it is that the the pit stop, however long before he ran out of gas, was probably what like might have been fifty, sixty laps earlier in the race, right? Yeah, so that that makes sense. It's just that they're calculating it out. Based on okay, we got this many laps left. We've got this much gas. You should be able to do this, this, and this. It's not like he filled up a lap previous and then ran out of gas. No, right? that it, happened probably maybe like an hour earlier. All these right? things but, are calculated because the engines are somewhat regulated. Right. Everyone has basically the same size gas tank. Let's just say that at, at right. some level, they the these these are professionals. These guys in the in the in the pits 
win races. We don't ever hear about right. them, but they're the ones that, that you might say really win the races sometimes as much as the drivers. And yeah. my other take on that is they don't like to cut it close, but that guy wouldn't have been leading had he right. made his other pit stop that he didn't make. Right. So right. he gambled and he lost. Simple as that. Simple someone, as someone, someone didn't carry the one. <laughs> they were doing the math. They were doing the math on the on the gas tank. 707-895-2448. Give us a ring if you want to talk about sports. Anything on your mind, we are here to talk about it. Uh, Jim, I know you have always liked to also have a did anything happen today in sports segment? Yeah, but right now um, uh, right now we got a caller. What do you got for the sports phone? Uh, continuing on with that guy that ran out of gas. Yeah. It's uh, this is Burton, by the way. Yeah. Uh yeah. It's very likely that somebody in the pit stop is keeping track of when is he going to need gas. And, you know, the, the machine is going to work the same as it's going to work as much as possible. But depending on who's around you, how you got to drive at any specific time, you're using more or less gas than you did each lap. That's true. Each lap is different because, oh, I got to pass this guy. Oh, I got to, br- oh, I got to break. Now I got to go faster again. And so, you know, it, it sounds absurd, but, you know, I mean, a mistake was made. Exactly. And you're right. I wonder, by I taking wonder the if, risk, by taking the risk, he was in the lead. That's, I, that's I wonder if, point. like, with five laps left or something like that, there's someone in the pit crew or, like, on the crew team that knows, like, hey, we might have a problem here. Like, I wonder, <laughs> no, I wonder no, how I, far I think they follow in it the advance. whole race. Like, oh, oh, it's been this. It's been three laps. We better put gas in or something like that. You know, I think the right, whole race right. they're going, put gas in this time. Put gas in this time. Yeah. You know, I don't think they carry that much gas at any given time. They want to be as light as possible. I never thought yeah. about that. And and I also don't think it's their choice in how big their gas tank is. That's that's a good take on it, Burton. Uh, uh, but I, I think that's the general feeling a mistake was made. Should I take another call or you got, you got something else? Oh, you, you go for it. You were, you were inspiring me. To let my mathematics come through, and uh, <laughs> if I'm inspired again, I'll double dip. Thank you. Oh, we, we welcome that. 707-895-2448. Now that Burton mentioned that, Jer, before I go any further, hello, caller, you're oh. on the air. Hey, uh, speaking of race cars, I, I for some reason I just thought of one that does not require gas or batteries or electricity or anything, and that is... Uh, soapbox derby, where I guess it's more of a kid's sport. You you build a. It used to be just out of boards and boxes and some wheels, and you go downhill and race other people in that sport. And I think it's gotten a little bit more sophisticated now. And I was wondering if you or any of your listeners know if that is still alive and well. I hope so. And I wonder if there's anything local happening around here. It uh, it just uh, it got me thinking about it. I'm so thanks. I'm going to let Jerry take that one. While Jerry's telling us everything about Soapbox Derby, I was a big, I was in Soapbox Derby. I think it started by the Boy Scouts. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is I remember there being a Boy Scout affiliation to it. But, but And I'll look and see if I can find anything. But, Jim, is that the one where basically every team or group was given, like, the same exact kit? Exactly. And it, and it was who could designed the kit in the most efficient way who could lubricate their wheels the best this and that right something like that there there's a a sport soapbox derby is very very controlled it's still a major sport i'm I'm hoping you're going to pick up on me here in a a second but uh caller wait a second while i finish this 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 thought 
Um, you, everyone's given the same package. You make and, and you. There's people that have cheated. There, there's money involved with this. There, there's prestige mm -hmm. involved with it. People put lead in their car to go faster. It's like a baseball bat. Hello, call. You're on the air. Hi. Uh, I wanted to talk about Jerry. He talked about the guy that ran out of gas, but he was still able to cross the finish line. This is Raven, by the way. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank <Yep>. you, Raven. <laughs> You're actually exactly 40 years older than my daughter. It's her birthday today as well. February 26th. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So, anyway, when a NASCAR race ends, it ends when the winner crosses the finish line, and then right. everyone gets to complete the lap they're on. And so, I don't know in this particular race, but it's possible that if he came in 12th, there were only 12 people on the same lap as the winner. And so he didn't necessarily have to cross the finish line to end up 12. Okay. You're going to have to run that by me again, Raven. <laughs> so it's not that the race keeps going on and on and on and on until everyone gets to finish. Oh. Often these cars are on different laps because oh. of various breakdowns or whatever. That makes and it'd be sense. very yep. possible that at the end there were only 12 cars on the same lap that the I winner was see. on. I see. And, and then, so, so those, those 12 cars on the same lap would end up first through 12th, even if the one car was just stuck there. I see. I got it now. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that, yep. that, that makes total sense. It's <laughs> total sense. Um, I'm, I'm amazed that you knew that. I don't know how I know these things, but you don't know how you know what you know. <laughs> Do you know anything about the Soapbox Derby? Uh no, we had more these like little pine box derbies where they were little sort of model cars and they built this little track that same, they would go down the as same opposed thing. to the soapbox you actually got in and oh. were steering and whatever. Oh, thank you for that. Thanks, Raven. <laughs> okay. All right. Carry on, guys. Yep. Jerry, All I made right, a big so mistake. We, we, there is a difference. Pine box derby is what, what the little leagues, or the what Boy Scouts started. Yeah, right. Okay, so I do have an update. Um... Take this again with a, a huge grain of salt. I have no idea how accurate any of this is. There is a Northern California Soapbox Derby Facebook page that you can follow. Uh, that is, and it says, according to their Facebook page, they are based out of, to, I don't even know how to pronounce it, Tuolum, Tuolum California. Tuolum? It's like west, it's east of Stockton. All right. It's like it's it's out in the national forest somewhere. We need a clarification, Jerry. I have to say this: um, the Z-Man just texted me. Let's get this straight, guys. The Pinewood Derby is the Boy Scouts Derby. Where That's the toy cars? Toy That's cars. Everyone toy cars. gets a little thing. Um, there is a similarity, and and they race down on a track. They um, it's an elimination right. tournament. The 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 winners come back until there's only one car left. The soapbox derby is basically the same thing, but you actually build a car and get in it. Right, right. But, it's, but, but again, but it's but it's the same idea that you have a kit that you're building it out of. Right, and you and and there's no engine; you're just rolling down. I wonder if there's weight restrictions for the driver uh, in in the soapbox derby. <laughs> Hello, caller on the air. <laughs> With that, gentlemen, thought. how are we doing this evening? Hey, Hi, how's it going, Vince? Oh, couldn't be better. What? Just a lovely sports phone talking about <laughs> NASCAR. <laughs> well, we I went mean, from NASCAR wow. to Pinewood Derby. <laughs> and now we're on to the I love it. I love it. You guys are covering so many different things that are 
I, I love it. Uh, it. We're not just a one sports uh, trick pony. This is great. <laughs> what? What? Uh, and so, Jim, um, let's see if I can answer this here. Uh, Dale Sr., Dale Jr., Jeffrey, and Ralph? I'll let you start again, but you got to lame him in order. <laughs> okay, so Ralph was the dad of Dale Sr. Right. Dale Jr. obviously was Dale's uh, son. And then you have Jeffrey Earnhardt, who I'm not sure the relation there. No, he, he is the, the son of Dale Jr. He is the son of Dale Jr. There you go. Now, there is also a Carrie Earnhardt, oh, who I believe, I believe is the fifth Earnhardt to actually participate in NASCAR event. So there might actually be a fifth generation. It's not. An, uh, it's not that. another generation. It's. It's a. It, I looked at it too. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a half brother or brother in law or something. But it's ah. not. But what it is, Vince, is remember the term here. It's not another generation. Gotcha. Gotcha. It'd be it's like two two Earnhardt. brothers. Two brothers wouldn't be a, another generation. That's true. That's okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So there, there's the four, though, right? I got you it. Got, you got it right. You're the first winner of Stump the Caller. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Huh. The only reason I actually squeezed that last one in there is this day in sports is 2017, the 59th Daytona 500. Kurt Busch, and this is perfect for where you guys are going today, wins after Kyle Larson runs out of gas on the last lap. And Jeffrey Earnhardt makes his NASCAR history the first ever fourth generation driver to compete in the 500 of Daytona. <laughs> well, Vince, it, it, we, we already said that. That's why. That's why this whole thing came up. Well, I missed the first ten minutes of the show, Jim. Come on. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I was curious. I was curious what happened there. We'll let that one slide. Well, that's good. That was that. That was why. I I came up with that stump stump the the, the oh, caller. Oh God, I see. Okay, but, well that makes sense. I'm glad Mark Schaefer reminded me that I was missing the show ten minutes into it. Oh good. Um, yeah. Well, someone's got to. And we, and Jim, is it? Am I mistaken that I hear it was your birthday? Yes, this is this is my birthday. Um, in February well, 26, 1954. Well, well. Oh wow, you're same same birthday as my mother. That's fantastic. Wow. That is wonderful. Yeah. What do you got? You you have any predictions for us? What What do you got, Vince? What? Oh, well, what do you? I mean, what, what are your guys' thoughts on Kyrie Irving with the Kobe Bryant NBA logo thing? Um, I just heard that. Where do you, Where are you guys at with Tiger Woods? I mean, wow, what a week in so, sports. Chair, go ahead. Yeah, it was it was wild. I. I, I have mixed thoughts about this. So, so for a little context uh, for, for listeners that may not be, I'll be aware of, uh, Kyrie Irving, who is probably one of the more outspoken NBA players, along with, I think, LeBron and a few others in terms of, like, social issues and things like that, has been making a push that Kobe Bryant's, uh, some form of Kobe Bryant should take the place of Jerry West as the NBA logo. Um, I... I have mixed feelings on it, Vince, and it's a weird thing to have mixed feelings on, but like, I think, because it's really hard for me to get out of my head, if Kobe Bryant hadn't died, would Kyrie Irving be making the case for it, instead of, like, say, Michael Jordan? Like, why, why, and I guess it's really weird to have this conversation, because I feel like I'm, I'm saying something negative about Kobe, but I'm not trying to, but the only way I can ask the question is, why are we making the case for Kobe Bryant over others? Other than the fact that Kobe Bryant has passed away, maybe that's a maybe that's a good enough reason. Is that a good enough reason? That's yeah. the other question. Then, 
That, 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 that's a great point. I'm all about like, okay, cool, you want to change the logo? Change the logo, make it more, uh, you know, modern, you know, unifiable, whatever. But like the, the idea of it being Kobe to me was like, well, that's kind of odd. I get it. He did just pass away. But is, is that the only reason? Or, you know, you know, again, it's Kyrie Irving and Kyrie Irving is, yes, outspoken. Sometimes I feel like he's one of the more outlandishly outspoken I have players. Two, I, have, where, I have a couple questions. You know. I have a couple questions, yeah. Vince. Here's my take on it. Is number one is how many people, Jerry, your age, or Vince? We we you know we're all separated by a certain amount of years here. But yeah. um, we actually have a good middle of the road with you, Vince. How many people your age, Jerry, know that the shadow of that MVA logo is Jerry it's West? Jerry West. Number one. Exactly. Vince, how many people know that with you? I know it because I was there when they brought it on. Um, I remember when they changed the logo and they said, we're going to use Jerry, Jerry West. It's basically his shadow, you know, if you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. But how many people, I, I how many that, people I, know I, that? I knew that, Jim, I knew that, Jim, because I'm an NBA fan and I, I know the, the history of the league. But I guarantee you I'm a very small percentage of the people my age who are NBA fans who probably know that. Jerry, what do you think? Do, do people my era, like my generation, know that Jerry West is the NBA logo? Is that your question? Yeah, and how many people know? Um, is Jerry West that famous for your generation? Of, I mean, I, I, I think if I put that into a group chat of my friends that know basketball, yeah, I think at least half would know the answer. Would, would, oh, that's good. Huh. That's good. Yeah, I, I think I think being a basketball fan, if you're around it enough, they would know the answer to that. Huh. Yeah, I'm curious though. I might have to find out. Um, yeah, but, again, but so, to go back Jim? to Vince's you had, you question, said though, you had a couple questions, Jim. Well, I, I have one here. Um, we were going to bring up because because you you brought up Tiger, and I, I was gonna, we were going to bring it up eventually. Oh, we're, done. we're done with the Kobe Bryant thing. Just want to be clear, we're done with that. Um, I I, mean, I, I am done with, go it. with it. It's kind of an odd request, I think, from 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 Kyrie. I think that. The fans, maybe some would be interested in it. Some others, players more so, I think. But right. overall, the NBA is not going to go there. I, I don't think it's yeah. going to happen. And I found, I found one of the quotes like that he said in the press conference, and, and this is, I think, where I would leave it. He has a quote where he says, it needs to happen. I don't care what anyone says. Black Kings built the league. And so, again, yeah. I, I would ask the question wow. outside of the fact that he passed away. Is Kobe Bryant the black king that you want recognized, like on the NBA logo, out of everyone else that built the league, so to speak? Like, I, I just right. think that it's. It I was think it's pretty the, radical. It's, it's like a. I had to go back, Jer, and listen to it again just because I didn't. I, he said what at the end when he black, said, "Black kings built the league." Which, which on that point right there alone, would you not go with Wilt Chamberlain? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan. I mean, can we go down a list of other amazing black players that made this league what it is? And if I'm not mistaken, it was really the Magic and Larry Bird era that brought the NBA to mainstream one of the top four sports in our in our country you got to put jordan in that in that it, it was magic you you jordan. have to but the magic yeah. magic and larry and the lakers and the celtics pre-jordan was the beginning of the nba's surgeons in this country for sure yeah. the big surge worldwide was the original dream team vince 
Right. Well, that's true. No, that's, that's that's true worldwide, no doubt about it. Barkley, Jordan, yeah. uh, Malone, that whole group for sure, no, no doubt about it. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. To me, I'd rather see Magic Shadow on the NBA logo than than Kobe's or Jordan's, just because of the history they really had. I, I, my my pick would have to be eight. Jordan. My my pick yeah. would be Jordan too. Let's move on from it anyway. Yeah. My, um, I, I wanted to mention this, Vince, because you called me on it last week. The, uh, Jerry had a list. We, we all made 2021 predictions. And if you remember, one of my predictions, I believe it was my first one, was that Steph Curry would have a, a, a serious season-ending injury and and not make it into the playoffs. And, it turns, and then I said Tiger would win one more championship and then possibly retire. And turns out... The other way around, Tiger got in the bad um, car accident, and Curry is still killing it. So, yeah. So, um, Jared, do you have anything to say about 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 Tiger? I mean, th- th- it's really. I, 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 the thing with with Tiger for me that was it's kind of a bummer is that like I, I thought Tiger had kind of been in a, ended up in a really interesting part of his career right now, just yeah. where he wasn't on top but he was still competitive. And so whenever he was in it on the last day, it was really interesting. It's like, Oh, is this going to be the last tournament that he wins yep. kind of thing? Like it was, it was that kind of feeling I, I thought with tiger where he wasn't the best, but he could still win any given tournament. And so I thought that was a really cool era of tiger woods. Okay. And so to see that potentially yeah. end his career where, you know, he had a broke multiple break breaks oh, in his leg. Okay. That's a bummer to me to, we, to just like, we don't get to see the, almost out of it but still has enough to win every now and then era of tiger woods finish up 707-895-2448 question it's a yes or no answer vince and jerry with everything you've listened to and i know you're not orthopedic surgeons everything you've listened to so far up until right now does tiger woods compete in another major golf tournament in his life yes or no vince yes Jerry, not competitively, not competitively, but he'll be in it. Jerry, will Tiger it, return to the PGA? Yeah, his name will. He will enter another tournament. Yes. Hmm. I mean, compared compared to this, really quickly, uh, Alex Smith, quarterback of the the right. Washington Football Team, had pretty similar injuries. Now, I think it was just one leg compared to both, but he went through a compound fracture. He had massive uh, um, uh, staph infections, almost had his leg amputated. And and after two years, played in seven NFL games as a starting quarterback this last year. Now, was he, he was a complete shell of himself, and he probably hurt the team more than he helped it in a way, but he still played those games. Tiger Woods will com- absolutely compete in golf again, but it will be absolutely more of a uh, uh, media event, a charitable mm-hmm. event. It will absolutely not be him going to the Masters and trying to win in 2023. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen ever again. His career is over as far as competitive golf, but he will compete just because it's what he does, it's what he's comfortable with, and it will be good for golf. 707 Give us a call. We're taking calls here. Um, Jerry, you said you had a. It's my birthday. You said you had some list <laughs> of, of, of people yeah, that I, set I records on their birthday. Fun. I'll tell you my story. Uh, what, what was it? 
Well, I, I don't know. It was your birthday, so I, I pulled up a list, and this isn't ranked in any way. This wasn't a list of like best birthday performances, but it was just a list of ten birthday performances, <laughs> like and it, of of players who had really good games on their birthday. Oh. Uh, so for oh, my one good. example of this that's that I have good. to kind of put an example in it is on March sixth, uh, two thousand. Shaquille O'Neal had his career high on his birthday uh, of sixty-one points oh. uh, and twenty-three rebounds. Wow! So I, I I thought that was really cool that it happened to happen on his twenty-eighth birthday. Uh, a couple other examples: uh, the great Randy Johnson, one of the best pitchers in in baseball history. He struck out fourteen batters, and he did that at age thirty-seven. Uh, so just little wow. things like that. I, I don't know. I thought they were kind of kind of fun little nuggets. Uh, Michael Jordan had a had a 46-point performance on his 29th birthday, just little things like that. So I guess, Jim, do you have any birthday performances? Because well, this was right in the middle of basketball season yeah, I was for gonna, you. I was going to say, um, I'm 67 my entire... I, I was in... From the time I was in seventh grade, I mean, middle school, high school, college, professional, and then 15, 16 years of coaching... I never had a birthday that wasn't during a basketball season, and I can't come up with sure. one, e- either high school coaching or playing in any level. I cannot remember anything I did special on my birthday, or if I ever did, I don't know. <laughs> That's oh, wow. the best I got. I can't. I can't remember. Um, we get. We got well, a. I, a co- would say, I would say, Jim, this time of the year, we 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 had to have played some sort of basketball game on your birthday. Oh, we 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 had to play. I think we probably were Playoff? eliminated from playoffs on my birthday. I mean, we we, we, we might have been. And it's it's right there. It's 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 right. You no, know, for sure. I'm I'm trying to think. I wish I could come up with a date in my brain, but like I'm not. I'd have to look back on old, uh, 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 you know, Pam Duncan or or Susan Simon's uh, uh, score sheets and find out what the date was on some of these games and see if we have one that lines up. So here. Here's a little interesting nugget, and, and we don't need to go off on this if we don't want to. Um, are, Jim, I guess with Vince, with Vince on our tour, are you guys familiar with the concept of the birthday effect in, in pro sports? No. Not no. any idea what you're talking about. So I think you guys might know this once I explain it a little bit. And this does not have to do with, with – do, what, what, what got me on this topic was I quickly looked up, do athletes statistically perform better on their birthdays? And I couldn't find anything about that. But I did come across something, and I knew about this, called the birthday effect, where certain Jeez. athletes are statistically, depending on what sport they play, are clustered in certain months of the year. Have you, are you for, are you familiar with this at all? Not at all. You you better come Not up with all. something here. So so I I'm I'm trying to do it on the fly because I think it's a really interesting topic. And if somebody else knows the, knows this better, as I'm finding the information on the fly, give us a call 707-895-2448, or give us a ring about if you want to talk about anything else in the world of sports. But the classic example of this is ice hockey, and, and I I'm going to try to find it as I go here. So bear with me if this sounds a little crazy, but. A high percentage of professional hockey players are born in a certain time of year, and it has to do with, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but I'm pretty sure this is a thing, it has to do with when they become eligible to play youth hockey and how that's tied to the month that they're born, and there's some correlation between that. You are saying... I I know... Wait a minute here. You're saying... That up there in Canada, somewhere, mothers are having babies 
so they can so the kids can have an extra year of AAU hockey. I, I, okay, it's it's. I don't know if it's that simple, but that's the general idea. Is that there's a there's a distribution of across certain months of the year. I know this sounds crazy, but I'm 99% sure I'm right about this. That there is a distrib a, a distribution of the months of the year that that athletes are born in specific sports. Vince, let me let me take this call. Phone just came ringing off the hook. Give a call back if you get something else, Vince. You got it, guys. Thank you so much. Hello, call. You're on the air. Okay. Yep. Okay. That's you. That's me. All right, Jerry. You are actually right about that. It, there's there is a whole book written about it, about how if you're born a certain month of the year, and then you, you know, like it, it was kind of like when you went to school. Your your birthday's the end of October, and we decided to not let you start school until the following year. So instead of being the youngest kid in the class, you were the oldest kid in the class. And when they do that with people in sports, according, you know, if their birthday is a certain time, when they start to play, if they're older, a little older, they have an advantage over the same kids on the team that are younger, and it affects their whole sports careers. So you're saying... I wish I could remember what book all of that, I read all of that in, but it's, it's definitely, there's definitely research that has been done on, on birthdays and when people start doing sports, especially. Chair, I don't know where you came up with this one. I'm going to take another call. Okay, This bye. is fascinating. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Hey, I was uh, listening to your co uh, comments about the um, hockey players, and they were born early in the year. My name is Glenn, by the way, from Redwood Valley. Yeah. And, How's it going? And they, uh, that was all outlined in a book by a guy named Malcolm Gladwell. The book's called Outliers. I actually just read it like six months ago. And uh, he was looking at uh, – he, he just kind of came upon it by accident. He was looking at all these junior hockey players in Canada – and he was looking on the roster, and they were all born, from a huge majority of them, like in January and February and March. And he started looking through all the, the hockey rosters, and that's what he saw. And so, the, you know, the way the junior hockey program is run, all these kids that were born earlier had a little bit more uh, bigger physiques and got better coaching as they went up the um, ladder. And that's the way it went uh, throughout this uh, the hockey junior hockey leagues that he was, uh, and they wrote about it in uh, Outliers, is the name of the book. I'm so happy that you gave the name of the book because that's why I remember this because I read this in high school. At some point in my life in high school, I read this book in a class, and and I now that's why I knew that this was a thing in the first place. Caller, I. I praise you for her jogging my memory here. I think that's the same. Right. I think that's the same book the last caller was talking about. Yes, it might, yeah, it was just it was yeah. a portion of the book. I mean, the whole book wasn't about that, but it was about many different aspects of life, and that was one of them. So, uh, have a birthday in January, February, March, and you're you're going to have a good life. <laughs> I I I don't buy it at all. I mean. <laughs> You, you catch you catch up after a while. Everyone catches up. I mean, just because Jerry started school when he was six, and to suggest, I, 
I'm not sure if Jerry's suggesting it or that previous caller, who is Jerry's mom, is suggesting it. But we didn't hold him back so he could be ha have a better time in his first middle school basketball. So, I mean, you're saying that some people do this, Jerry? No, I, I don't think anyone's doing it on purpose. That, and that wasn't what what I think it was. It's, it was just an observation of statistics. I think I, I don't think it, yeah, anything start, is being I mean, done on purpose. Junior hockey would start right when they're maybe five or six or maybe four, and so the older kids are automatically put oh, into the higher echelon teams, and they're going to have better coaching, and that all kind of follows their I whole see. career in I junior see. hockey. I see. Um, I've got it now. Uh, so it's just had, it's like little league. The, those players that were a year older that just snuck in, like the Matt Deefers, he got to play in in a, in a higher. So he dominated pitching when he was twelve. I, I see what you're saying now, Jer. It's that yeah, kind that, of it. Yeah. Now again, like there's this isn't like a, a, a like a for sure thing. There's there's definitely discussion about it. So no. like I, I did a little bit more research and and found some stuff. So between 2000 and 2010. There were 1,177 Canadian-born players in, made, in the NHL. 30% of them were born in the first quarter of the year. So now the discussion becomes, is 30% a high number or not? Is, well, is 3 out of 10 a lot in this topic? Well, well there's, there's 12 months in the year, and you're saying that 3 out of 10 are born in January, February, or March? In the first quarter of the year, yes, in this, in this sample group. Well, geez, that leaves three quarters of the people for the. Uh, that's not substantial. Right, it's like, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, is then you get in that discussion? Is it is it substantial or not? Huh. This this tends to. What's fascinating to me is, um, I'll bet you there's a lot of people that that hold their kids back from school. Caller, I'm going to take another call. I appreciate it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Jerry, I think, um, just a minute, caller, I, I think that there's more parents that hold their kids back to give them advantage than there is just happen to be when they were born. Hello, caller, you're on the air. Yes, I entirely agree with that last statement. I believe that I read in Sports Illustrated a number of years ago, 10, 15, 20, I don't know what it was, but they were talking about in some of these states where football's really big, you know, these towns in Texas and these towns in Alabama and some of these places where football is just the end-all and be-all of, you know, a town. You know, you'll see a little town with a giant sports stadium kind of thing, sort of Friday Night Lights kind of stuff. Yeah. And they were saying that it's pretty standard practice or was at that point to hold kids back in the eighth grade because if a kid was a real budding sports star – they gave them another year to grow before they rolled them into high school. And and it really seemed to be an advantage. I believe it was, you know, Sports Illustrated, but I'm not positive where I was reading it. This many years ago. But, you know, it was just an interesting thing that I ran across. So hearing what you just said about, you know, parents holding their kids back to do it, that was an article about people doing exactly that. Huh. Interesting. I, I don't... It didn't even cross my mind. Would um, we just weren't ready to give Jerry up, so we kept him home for another year. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the call. All right, thanks, guys. Seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. If I'm reading this master thing right, Jerry, we have exactly ten minutes and six seconds left. Um, 
What else you got? This this is fascinating. You got more information? Are you still reading about this? Well, there's a there's a a I'm still kind of reading about it, but there's a similar examination of this in baseball where uh, a large majority of players are born in the summer months. Um, and and again, it has to do with little league. Uh, so the so the example they give is. It just kind of read this straight off this article I found. A player born on August 1st, 1996 would be playing in the same division as a kid born in on July 31st, 1997. So that kid is a year older and a year stronger, but he's in the same division as the younger kid. And so it's, again, that idea of – it's a similar idea to the hockey thing. I, I think it's fascinating. I don't know how true it is, how much of an impact it actually has, but I'm just happy that I wasn't crazy and, you know, just pulling that out of out of thin air, I, that that was a thing that actually was discussed in sports. You, you, you caught me. You caught me with no warning on that one. Hello, caller, you're on the air. Hey, hey guys, I'm going to jump back in here yep. real quick. Um, so, Jerry, you and I were texting about that a second ago, and uh, – my, my thought about the whole birthday age, you know, perspective, the way I was talking about it with baseball is baseball has a clause where they can control a player longer that they drafted if they don't bring him into the pros until after April 30th. So there's this way of like... Jeez. Not only using age and, and, and when you come into a sport and things like that as, as a way to have a competitive edge by saying, oh, this kid's older, but he gets to get you know compete with the younger group because of when we brought him in. It's in baseball also a way to actually control them monetarily and longevity-wise for the owners, which is a kind of a terrible thing, which has come to a light this week big time when the Seattle Mariners um, – not an owner, but he was like basically their principal manager or whatever, and he had to resign because of comments he made about how, you know, manipulating people's, you know, ability to come to the big leagues at certain times for a competitive edge or a ownership edge, you know, cost him his job. And and so that's just kind of where I was going with that. Like, I don't think it's a big deal with the whole hockey thing. I was thinking about it more, too, Jerry and Vince. Um, I think from a pure skill strength level over the course of a career, the idea of starting a kid in school when he's six, it goes way beyond, um, um, and there's probably no statistics that back this up, but... I have seen some of the like the older players, like the Matt Deefers. I use him as an example, um, Jerry, in Little League that was a, a grade older than ever, all the other 12-year-olds. Right. Um, they have a lot of confidence when they start when school when they're six. And, and, and I think it, it shows in other ways than just sports. So that, sure. that's, yeah, I just sure. wanted to throw that in there. Um, I'm not sure there's any statistics that back up any, any of this. Except, I mean, they're, they're factual, <laughs> but... Are we well, saying? Are, are we? It's, 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 just, it's the same idea with the, uh, in a way, with the NBA and the one and done thing of like not letting high school kids want to come to the NBA because after a while the NBA thought it was diminishing the quality of their product, which in fact all it ever really did was diminish the college game a little bit. And the NBA should have taken the initiative in the 2000s to create the G League and give some of these 
17, 18-year-olds the opportunity to play fairly close to NBA-style basketball for a couple of years and then move up like a minor league system. I mean, nobody complains about a baseball player being drafted out of high school and playing the minor leagues for three or four years. No one complains about a phenomenal tennis player at the age of 16 who wins the Australian Open. Nobody complains about a 17- or 18-year-old golf uh, prodigy who, who can compete with the big boys. You know, really, in hockey, hockey they allow they have a great minor league system in hockey, and they allow young nineteen year olds into the NHL all the time. The only sport that I personally would say that you physically can't do it is football, but soccer. You know, you know they they allow high school kids to come out of high school and play professional soccer all the time. So. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of idea, I think, in that realm. I, I don't know what you guys think about that. Jerry, do you have a comment on this? If not, I'm, I've got one on the tip of my tongue. I'm going to let you go first, though. Go, go, go for it. No, no, go for um, it. You have something. I, I think the, the weirdness, as Vince said, the, the weirdness in basketball is just basketball. I mean, as I say, um, when, when a tennis player comes out, They'll take school on the road with them, and and they'll they'll finish high school, but they'll play tennis while they're competing. Um, yeah. They're they're drafting thirteen year olds to play soccer in in Europe. Um, Luca played when he was fifteen or sixteen, or got drafted. Somehow, basketball got tied in for for well, I have no idea tied into college. Pro well, hang on, hang on, Ro- hang on, real quick. Let's let's be clear about this. Basketball in America. Basketball in America yeah. got got yeah. tied into college, and all of a sudden, you're supposed to. Why do you supposed to go to college if you to want play to play basketball? basketball? It's it's ridiculous that we even consider you don't have to go to college to be uh, to work for Bill Gates and make a billion dollars. I mean, no, it's ridiculous yeah. they're even tying college to basketball. I've been fighting that my whole I, life. It, it's. Well, it's and, and, I mean, wasn't and there any... game, it, it's made the college game, it's it's hurt a lot of programs in college. Jared, uh, you know, what do you have? Well, I was just going to say, wasn't there a very long period of time when college basketball was significantly more popular than the NBA? I thought that was... In terms yeah. of, like, that there was this era, so I think that might have something to do with it, right? Is that college basketball for a long time was when, like... Like, like, for example, in the Olympics, for a long time, you were sending your best college athletes, or America was, yeah, to go play in the Olympics. Of course. Yeah. That changed. That's, yeah, that's, so I, that's one right. Reason. So I, I think to some extent that might have something to do with it. I, I don't have, again, I don't have any data to back that up or anything like that. But there was definitely a period of time when the Olympics was more popular. Or, excuse me, not the Olympics. College basketball was more popular than pro basketball. I don't know if that has, for, any, has anything to do with it. But for, for, I think for a short period, Jerry, but, like, it's really, right. it's silly for me to sit here and be like, okay, a guy's going to go to college for a year, waste a scholarship, basically, which somebody else could use for arts, for entertainment, for education, whatever. Like, you're, you're going to make this kid go to school for a year. He's obviously not going for an education, just to play basketball, why doesn't he just go to the G League and play a year in the G League against other guys trying to make the NBA? You know what I mean? Like that 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 whole correlation of of you have to go to school to play in the NBA made absolutely zero sense to me. And that, unless they said get. you have to get a college degree to play in the NBA, then it would make sense. Like it, it, it mm-hmm. just doesn't. There's no. It's very that, that that one blew my mind, and uh, I hope they they've been talking about changing it for a while, and I hope they do. It's it's ridiculous. Hmm. Yeah, we we better yeah. cut it off, Vince. We only have about a minute to go here. 
I see that. Yep. You guys have a great night as always. I appreciate it. Thanks, Vince. You got enough. Jim, I had one quick. I had one quick story update that I thought was worth noting, um, and I, I just stumbled across this. This was actually. I, I'm glad I stumbled across. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, the Atlanta Dream, the WNBA team uh, that former Georgia Senator Kelly Leffler was a part owner of. They have been they have been sold. They've been sold to a three person investor group, which consists of a former WNBA player uh, and two other investors. LeBron James is not part of it at all. But I thought that was good uh, worth noting that uh, a former WNBA player is part of the investment group that bought the Atlanta Dream. And you know, if you for people that aren't listening, this came up during the Black Lives Matter movement when the right. owner of this Atlanta Dream said something about the their NBA players shouldn't be involved with social justice when they were so that any, right. anyway that's where, how that came up. Right, but yeah, I thought it was a good story worth worth mentioning at least. But with that. I guess we got to wrap it up. Uh, it's been another good edition of the Sports Phone. We'll have our first March edition, right? February, March, yep, uh, oh, yeah. next week. So looking forward to that. Um, it's always been a pleasure. Jim, one more time, happy birthday. Uh, let's wrap it up, and uh, we'll talk to everybody next week. Thanks, everybody, for the calls. We still have a few few seconds here. Don't hang on me yet. We, I'm, I'm going to give Reed one more text we got. Here's a good one from our Z-Man. Just by the way, what is the iconic silhouette of Kobe going to look like, anyways? <laughs> I, I think he'd be his fadeaway jumper. I'll That'd see. be my first, my first guess there if they did that. Now, to me, that's enough to uh, to end the show on. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> Thanks. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Woolits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening.